Well, praise the Lord. Isn't that great? Amen. Tremendous. Look, if you would, and copy of your scripture to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 5 is where we are this morning. We're going through the Sermon on the Mount in the Beatitudes. We've covered two verses in two weeks, so we're, we're right on schedule. Amen. Beginning in Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Would you stand please in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word? The Bible says, seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. When he was set, his disciples came unto him. He opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Father, thank you this morning for the victory we have in Jesus. Lord, if it wasn't for you, we'd have nothing to shout about this morning. We praise you. And I pray for those this morning sitting in this place who'd be honest enough to know that if you came today, they'd be left behind. Lord, have mercy. Would you save them before this day's over with? Give them another opportunity. Lord, have your way. Would you cleanse me? Hide me behind the cross, Lord. And let people see Jesus high and lifted up. It's our prayer in your name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Just in a little review, I feel like we need to review because this is the greatest sermon that has ever been preached by the greatest person that ever was a preacher, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Nobody can do it justice like Jesus. Preachers can preach all they want to. There's no, no one can get across the thoughts of the Beatitudes like Jesus could. Uh, when you're the king, you can call the shots. I believe our king is telling us that we're not going to be able to live any way we want to live. We're not going to be able to do anything we want to do. If he's the king, he's the one that gets to decide what the factors are. And the beatitude means perfect happiness or perfect blessedness. I don't know about you, but I have not discovered anybody that has perfect happiness. I've seen a lot of folk trying for it, but I want to tell you, uh, it's not going to happen. Israel tried for it. The, the priest failed. The king failed. The prophet failed. And now, after 400 years of silence, Matthew opens it up and gives us a prophet, priest, and king all in one, the Messiah, Jesus himself. And so, you can't find perfect peace, perfect bliss outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I remind you again, that everything he's preaching here is contrary to what man wants to hear. Everything he says in these Beatitudes, we Christians can't even digest it, let alone those who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed are the poor in spirit, he said. I mean, you, you, that sounds plumb depressing, insecure. You're emptied yourselves and uh, it's not about me. I'm not stuck on me. It's all about Jesus. I'm nothing. He's everything. You say, preacher, how in the world can the poor, the have nothing, the broke, the struggling, the jobless, those who've lost love, how in the world can they be blessed in poor in spirit? Because they have taken their eyes off the things of this world and they placed their eyes on the things of heaven. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
I want to tell you now this morning, I don't believe God is telling you you got to give up your car. I don't think God's telling you you got to burn your she-shack. I don't think God's telling you you've got to give all your money away. But I think what God is telling you is that I am supreme, I'm the king of kings, and nothing is to take preeminence over me. That's what he's telling us today. I do this at, uh, of course, the world will tell you just the opposite. The world will say, blessed are those who never cry. Blessed are those who never mourn. We have an idea that if we could go through life without crying, without mourning, without any disappointment, without any sorrow, without any heartache, it would all be wonderful. The poet said it like this, I walked a mile with pleasure and she chattered all the way, but left me none the wiser for all she had to say. I walked a mile with sorrow, not a word said she, but oh, the thing I learned from sorrow when sorrow walked with me. I'll tell you the truth this morning is the times that I've grown in my life the most have been when I've been in sorrow, when I've been backed up against the wall, when I didn't think there was any way out. See, as long as you got money in your pocket and you got clothes on your, in your closets and 30 pairs of shoes and you've got food in the pantry, everything's all right. Everything's all right. Jesus said, blessed now those who that mourn. Now, again, I remember <laughs> so many years ago, it's been a long time ago, an old man next to us lived out in the country. His water was bad. And we had a deep well, and ours was good water. But his was always bad. And you know what? I'll never, never forget it. My daddy didn't say what. He didn't say much. He just kind of bowed his head and shook his head. And, uh, but Mr. Neal had talked about his pump, his water was bad. And, and Daddy said, well, what are you going to do about it? You know, thinking he's going to do it. Mr. Neal painted the pump. Now, I want to tell you, I'll never forget that. You can paint that pump all you want to. That's not going to change that water. And a lot of Christians today are painting the outside and trying to make things look good. Folks, that's not going to change your inside. That's not going to change your character. That's not going to change. He said, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. I want to make something clear here also this morning. Jesus is not talking about moaners. Moaners. He's not talking about moaners. He's talking about mourners. Mm. I mean, those people, I can't ever remember the name. He, they told me at Arabella this morning. I've done forgot. But there used to be a guy with... Uh, uh, little Abner that walked around with a cloud all over his head. You old people will remember that. You know, you've seen folk like that. They just walked around with a cloud over their head. They're not mourners, they're moaners. And uh, Jesus is not talking about those folk or the crybabies of this world. Uh, we know who those are. They're always in self-pity and always singing, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. And they get great pleasure by singing that to everybody. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. He's also not talking about those who've lost loved ones. He's not talking about those who've gone through troubles. All of those are times of mourning, but that's not what he's talking about here. You see, the psalmist said, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, a contrite spirit and a broken heart. 
See, what, what he's talking about, remember in Matthew 4, 17, when we started this, the first sermon Jesus ever preached was repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So when you keep all of this in context, what he's talking about here, blessed are those who mourn in their sin. Mm. For they shall be comforted. Wow. I think what Jesus is saying, folks, it's time to come out of the magic kingdom into God's kingdom, the real kingdom. And he said, blessed are those that mourn, they shall be comforted. Now, when you see that, you see that there's some things that have to happen. When we see that we're spiritually bankrupt, we have nothing to offer God whatsoever. Even when we come with our righteousness, the Bible says it's like filthy rags. We don't have anything. You think you got something, you don't have anything to offer God? Get nothing but the grace of God puts you where you are today. That's all you've got. That's all I've got. So when we look at those and, and realize what we are, we mourn. We think, wow, there's no way. First thing we got to do is realize the condition we're in. We're lost. Every one of us are lost. You say, oh, no, preacher, I'm not lost. Oh, yeah, if you've been born of a woman, you're lost. You were born into sin. Sin separates you from God. Romans 3, uh, 10 says it's written, there's none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3, 23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 5, 12, as man, one man's sin entered into the world, death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. John 16, he said, you've come into the world to reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. Well, you know why people are so miserable in the churches today? is because they're sitting here in their sin, and they've never even realized it. They're just going on with the flow. I had a great service here a while back. Man, that service went longer than I thought it would. Now, I want to tell you something. <clears throat> if you want the short version of this sermon, I preach at Arabella at 8.30. <laughs> we sing and I preach and we're out by 9 if you want a short version. If you want a little shorter version, I preach at Mason Creek at 9.30, and we're out by 10.30. But when you come to this service, <laughs> buddy, you just bring your sack lunch. Because <laughs> you're going <laughs> to get the whole load. But anyway, I was at the, uh, and this person said, the service went a little longer than I thought this morning. And I didn't say anything. I said, yeah, you know, sometimes that happens. <laughs> and I thought to myself, my soul, I hope if my soul was dangling over the pits of hell that somebody would get a hold of God and not worry about what time it was. I hope somebody would get a hold of God and say, look, I don't, I'm not getting my purse ready. I'm not getting my clothes ready. I'm not getting ready to zip out of here like a zip line. I'm staying for the whole load. Well, we need to do church. You, you may not agree with that, but I want to just tell you right now, this is the way we do church here. It's the way we do it, and we're going to keep doing it here. I, I'm, I'm not interested in preaching philosophy. I'm not interested in preaching politics. I'm not interested in preaching ecumenism. I'm not interested in the status quo. I don't even care what the view thinks. <laughs> I don't care what so. I don't care 
What I want to know is, what does the Word of God say? And that's what we're doing in Sunday school, Bible study groups, small groups, uh, whatever name they got this week, whatever it is. It, you need to be in it. I guarantee you, you need to be in it studying the Word of God there. We need churches and pastors and teachers who will open the Word of God and say, this is what the Word of God says. My opinion doesn't matter. Now, you're, you're a good-looking congregation this morning, dressed in your Sunday fine, Bible in your hand, just, some, just sang some good... Uh, him, I heard that B3 wanted to dance a little while up in here this morning uh, and you know what, if we're not careful we think we've done God a favor by being here this morning I want to just point out to you that sin is a deceiving power later on in verse 21, we'll cover it later you've heard it that it was said by them of old, thou shalt not kill and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment, but I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be danger in danger of judgment. See, most of us got our little list of do's and our little list of don'ts. And we, we, it's all, we've justified everything. Now, we've got it all backed up scripturally. We can find a scripture for anything. You know, uh, Judas went out and hanged himself. That proves you ought to do that too. It's in the Word of God. And then he, whatsoever thou doest, do it quickly. So you ought to run out of here right now and hang yourself. That, that's all proven right there in the Word of God. So we got our little do's, and we got our little don'ts. And when this group over here puts on one of them do's that's on one of our don'ts lists, we suddenly, whoo, back up. Back up. No, let me tell you what you can do with your little do list and your little don't list. You can give it to Jesus. <laughs> ah, Jesus gets down to the heart of the matter, and he just... <laughs> what Jesus does is he just comes through and rips the veneer off the place and gets down to the wood. Said, this is what it is. He goes on further to say, you've heard it said by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Mm. See, God doesn't see like man sees. I tell you, listen to me. You better hear me. Some little old girl get pregnant, whoo, terrible, just terrible. And I'm not saying sin is good. What I'm saying is this, there's a lot of others of you doing it that ain't got caught. And it's just as much sin to do it and not get caught as it is to do it and get caught. So what I guess I'm telling you is, <laughs> well, Paul was a Pharisee. We'd make good Pharisees. He kept all of the Ten Commandments outwardly except one. He said, I was doing fine. I had a, thou shalt have no other gods before me. I got that down. I've never done that. Not take the name of the Lord in vain. No, wouldn't think of it. Not make any grave in it. No, sir. Remember the Sabbath. I'm here every time the doors open. Honor your father and mother. Oh, yeah. Don't commit adultery. Oh, yeah. Wouldn't dream. Don't steal. No. Don't kill. No. I was doing fine. You come up that commandment. Wiped him out on do not covet. Hmm. Romans 7, 7, what shall I say then? Is the lost sin? God forbid, yea, I had known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, thou shalt not covet. He said, I didn't know anything about it, but the law said, thou shalt not covet. Mm. Are you weeping over your sin this morning? You agree with Jesus about your sin? Are you trying to talk him into saying your sin's all right? 
what we do on our list is all right. There's deceptive power. Our hearts are deceitfully wicked. Above all things, desperately wicked. And then there's a defiling power of sin. This same chapter, the Bible says, If your right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. For it's profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish and not that the whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off, cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of the members should perish and not that the whole body should be cast into hell. Now, folks, I won't tell you, that's stout preaching. That's just some strong stuff right there. The eye speaks of the pleasurable things of life. The hand speaks of the things that we can get, the profitable things of life. And what he's talking about here, the pleasurable and the precious things of life. Sin, you see, the devil takes those things and he perverts them. He can't create anything. He's not God. All he can do is pervert what God has already made. And that's how he defiles it. So there's a deceiving power and there's a defiling power, but there's also a destroying power here. He said, thy right hand defend thee, cut it off, cast it from thee, for it's profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish and not the whole body cast into hell. What, what is Jesus saying here? Is he, telling you, is he telling you that if you want to go to heaven, cut off your right hand and pluck out your eye? No, 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 no. No, that's not what he's saying. Listen to me. He's saying that it's better to be a maimed saint on your way to heaven than a healthy sinner on your way to hell. That's what he's saying here. It's better for you to be maimed as a saint of God and on your way to heaven than it is to be a healthy sinner and on your way to hell. He's not saying cut your hands off or anything. I, I want to tell you that... that, that mm. Dr. R.G. Lee was always accused, and I've been accused of it. I count it as a compliment. They didn't mean it that way, but I'm crazy enough to count it that way, of being a hellfire preacher. Dr. Lee used to say, you know, you call me a hellfire preacher? He said, I'd rather be called cruel for being kind than be called kind for being cruel. He said the cruelest thing a preacher could do would be to fail to warn people from the wrath to come. The cruelest thing I could do. Now, I, I love love. I'm all for that. But I'm telling you, you don't come to Jesus and you don't do it his way. You don't repent of your sins. And I want to tell you, there's a place called hell that you'll end up into, and it's not heaven. Mm. The deceiving power, the defiling power, the destroying power. And I, I can't make anybody see that. You know how you can see it? When the Holy Spirit shows it to you, when you're convicted by the Holy Spirit, that's the only way you're going to see it. I can't make you do that. Nobody else can. It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit. If you're here this morning lost without Christ, the Holy Spirit's the one that's got to convict you that you're, you're lost and that you're a sinner. I can't do that. But you'll never be saved. You'll never have contrition until you've got conviction. Maybe today you're here and you know you're not lost, but the Holy Spirit may be dealing with you and convicting you of maybe some sins you've got in your life that you won't let go. There's a second thing here that I see. There's, there's grief, guilt, and it eats us up. Uh, 
it eats us up. It consumes us. Uh, we lament over it. And first, uh, 2 Corinthians 7.10, Godly sorrow worketh repentance. Godly sorrow. Now, regret is primarily in the mind. Remorse goes past the mind to the heart. But when you're talking about godly sorrow, you're talking about coming to the place repentance looks beyond our sin to Calvary. Regret doesn't do that. Remorse doesn't do that. And I would hasten to tell you this too, that just because you cry don't mean you've repented. And you can repent without crying. Those things are outward things that our personality may portray, but true repentance, godly sorrow worketh repentance. It comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible teaches that Judas, when he learned that he had betrayed the Lord and saw all that was happening around him, became aware of the consequences with trembling fingers, made a noose there and put it around his neck and hanged himself. He was so filled with remorse that he threw the 30 pieces of silver on the floor. But he never repented. Mm. We're talking about this morning people who are willing to repent. The Luke 7 woman who was in sin, but she came to Jesus, repented, and then took her hair and washed his feet. We're talking this morning about the prodigal son who realized where he was and came back to the father and said, Lord, Father, I don't deserve to be a son. Just don't give me my room back. Don't give me my Xbox. Don't give me my Jordan Air shoes and all that. Just let me stay as a servant in the backyard. That's what repentance is. Luke 18, God be merciful to me, a, pen, a sinner. Acts 2, pricked in their hearts by sin. What he's saying here is there ought to be a passion they're against carnality. We ought to be upset against sin. The things that the Lord doesn't like, we ought not to like. Well, you can like it or not, but I'm just telling you, the things that the Lord doesn't like, we ought not to like either. Psalm 119.53 says, Horror had taken hold upon me because of the wicked that forsake thy law. David looked up got hooked up, booked up, then took up, then became a crook. All of it in one day. Nine months he was separated from the fellowship of the Father until God sent a prophet by the name of Nathan. And Nathan, I, when I get to heaven, first thing I want to do is I want to see that finger old Nathan's got. I bet that thing 15 inches long, skinny, bony. And he tells a story about a king who had all kinds of vineyards and all kinds of property. But this one little poor man had one little vineyard next to him. The king wanted it, and he got it. David said, that's not right. Whoo, that's not right. That we could, we're going to deal with that man. We're going to deal with him. Now, that's just not right. And old Nathan pointed that finger at him and said, uh, let me tell you something, David. You may be mad because that king took that one man's property, but God's upset because you took another man's wife. Thou art the man. The Bible says David 
when in Psalm 51, against thee and thee only have I sinned, and none does evil in my sight, but thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and clear when thou judgest. David saying, I didn't sin against my wife. I didn't sin against the church. I didn't sin against the kingdom. I didn't sin against the country. I have sinned against God. That's who I've sinned against. Psalm 51, 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken and contrite spirit. Mm. Have you come to that place? Not just broken over your sin, but broken from your sin, where you've left it. Godly repentance, <coughs> excuse me, godly sorrow worketh repentance. There's no passion today about sin. Nobody wants to preach on sin. I'm afraid we've ingrained a generation and, and a church in many churches that have the idea that you can come and, and make a profession of faith and then go right on living the same way you were living before you came in. You, you could just come and sing, oh, how I love Jesus, and then walk out of here and live like the devil all week long. The, the Bible says, can two walk together except they be agreed? No, you're not. Your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. Nobody said you ought to be perfect, but you ought to be mad when you're not perfect. Sin ought to upset us. Cuss and not even feel guilty about it. Lie. Bitterness in your heart. <laughs> I, I, I see people pop in here every six or eight weeks and, and they've, they've never found a reason to go to the altar. They've never found a message that ever dealt with them. And I'm thinking to myself, who in the world do you think you are? Man, I get up in the morning and the Lord's already got conviction all over me. People can't get along with each other. Some people trying to knock down the kingdom of God. Some in this church can't sit where somebody else is supposed to be seated because they're assigned. And the problem is you're going to get mad because I told you the truth. And you say, preacher, they shouldn't have pushed me there. No, you shouldn't have gone there. You ought to have more integrity and more character than that. That's what he's saying here. Godly sorrow worketh repentance. Let me give you the remedy. Bless God, it's good. If we can smile again. The guilt, shame, that brings conviction. And then it consumes us. It eats us up alive. And then there's a God who brings comfort. <laughs> Blessed are they that mourn over our sin, over our problems, over our trials, for they shall be comforted. <laughs> See, once you understand that guilt and once you understand all that, you begin to understand how sweet grace is. How wonderful grace is. Psalm 138.3 says, In the day when I cried, note, note that, when I cried, blessed are they that mourn, in the day that I cried, thou answerest me and strengthened me with strength in my soul. Wow. Mm. Jesus 
was speaking in John 14, and he said, I pray the Father, he's going to give you another comforter. And that's what we're talking about, isn't it? I mean, isn't that what the scripture said? Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Who's going to do the comforting? It's going to be the Holy Spirit of God. He's going to comfort us. See, he lives in my heart today. He lives in your heart today if, if you're saved this morning. And he gives me that comfort. He speaks to my soul. I weep over my sin. You ought to be weeping over your sin. There ought to be a passion about sin. There, there were days when we literally, years ago, somebody tell me I'm not lying, that we would take a television and throw it in the front yard if we saw two people sleeping in bed together that wasn't married. But today... We're numb to sin. Just, just, hey, let's all join hands and sing Kumbaya and get over this. And I'm telling you, as a, as a, we can't live any way we want to live, and God bless us. We have got to come to the place where we say, Lord, it's your way or we're not going to do it. Sin breaks my heart. The dishonest things in my life, the mean things, the profane things, the things I've said to my wife I didn't have any business saying, the thoughts I've had in my heart. But oh, one of these days, there's going to be a roll call and all the times I failed as a husband all the times I've failed as a pastor, all the times I've failed as a father, according to this book, he's going to wipe all tears from my eyes. <laughs> I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know if he's going to use a microphone. I don't have any idea how it's going to happen. But I tell you, I long for that day of that roll call when he calls my name. Fanny Crosby wrote that old song, Jesus, keep me near the cross. There a precious fountain, free to all. A healing stream flows from Calvary's mountain. Near the cross, a trembling soul, love and mercy found me. There the bright and morning stars sheds its beams around me near the cross i'll watch and wait hoping trusting ever till i reach the golden strand just beyond the river in the cross in the cross be my glory ever till my raptured soul shall find rest beyond the river. Oh, listen to me. When I get a bad thought, I need to run to the cross. When I'm faced with trials, I need to run to the cross. When I'm faced with temptations, I need to run to the cross. When I'm faced with a bad spirit, I need to run to the cross. Because it's there at that cross where he washed me in his blood and cleansed me and made me whole and saved my soul. But it's also there in that cross where they nailed those nails in his hands and feet. It's also there at that cross where they spat upon my Savior and they mocked him 
They stripped him naked and gambled over his clothes and put a spear in his side and a crown of thorns on his head. He wasn't there because he was bored. He wasn't there because he didn't have anything else to do. He was there because he bore my sin and he bore your sin. That's why he went to the cross. Have you known that comfort of going to the cross? For the lost person this morning, it's salvation. You'll never walk with God until, first of all, you realize you're a sinner and that you cannot save yourself. And then when you realize that you have nothing to offer God and he has everything to give to you, you can be saved. Mm. But many of us this morning, it's not about salvation. We know it really for many of us this morning I've had folks, even this week, sit in my desk, in my office, and say, uh, I've gone too far. I'm ruined. I'll never be able to be used of God again. And I'm so thrilled to be able to open the Word of God and say, listen to what Jesus said to us who were saved. He said in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm telling you here this morning, you may think you're a dud, but there are no duds in the kingdom of God. There are no duds. I'm telling you, God will pick you up and use you where you are today if you've been saved by the blood of the Lamb. Don't, don't wallow around in that no longer. Come to Jesus. We've got an advocate with the Father he said, I'll send you another comforter. That's the Greek word, parakletos. It's the same words uh, alongside the Holy Spirit, parallel lines there. If you go into a courtroom, you get a lawyer. You go into a hospital, you get a doctor. <laughs> you go, yeah, let me tell you, the word comforter means when we come into the kingdom of God, we got a comforter. We've got an advocate with us. Now, the devil is the prosecuting attorney. He follows you around. I'm not telling you the devil does. Most of us in this room are probably not important. I'm not enough for the devil to personally, you know, he can only be one place at one time. Satan can't. Do I need to do a little sermon on that about a 20 minute sermon? He can only be one place at one time. The problem is he's got a lot of demons, a lot of helpers. And they may follow you around and dog you all day long. But I'll tell you, You've got an advocate with the Father. You've got an advocate. And I will tell you, the devil many times, he'll send people to say, boy, you don't need to be preaching. I don't know how you get up there and preach. You're no good. You're sorry. I know that. I realize that. But I realize I've got a God who loves me, forgiven my sin, cleansed me, and I've come to honest brokenness. And I want to tell you, when you can do that, you'll find out, blessed are those who mourn, for he will comfort them. Father, thank you this morning for your precious word. Oh, God, would you speak right now? Lord, Holy Spirit, have your way. People that need to be saved, God, today is the day. Lord, would you bring conviction and let them be saved today before it's eternally too late. Oh, God, I pray for this church. 
Lord, this is a great church. You have blessed us so much, so very much. But, oh, God, please don't let us get to the point where we think we're somebody because we're nothing but sinners saved by grace. Don't let us get to the point where we think we can designate who sits here and who sits there, what we're going to do over here and what we're going to do over there. God, Lord, have your way. Bring us to that cross. Have your way. I pray this altar would be filled with people that would be praying, that would weep over their sin and feel guilty, Lord, that, that we've not done more to draw closer to you. God, help us today, Lord. Have your way. Lord, let make this a service that we'll never forget. Your spirit be real in this place. And speak to us, Lord Jesus, is our prayer. In Jesus' name. Would you stand with me? Brother Aaron's going to begin to sing.